Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Alexander Cruz with me here today with CRofmaryland.com. And I'm going to send everybody to your webpage, Alexander, CRofmaryland.com. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. If you wait to the end, we'll even give you Alexander's email address so you can reach out to him directly. But with all that, we're going to be talking about turnkey properties in Baltimore, which is a pretty interesting subject. I haven't run into a lot of turnkey providers in your neck of the woods, Alexander. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jack, first of all, and agree. We're honestly the only turnkey provider, at least that is doing kind of volume that I know of directly in Baltimore. I know there's a group out of Philadelphia that had done a few properties in Baltimore, but they're not still active. Yeah, it's very interesting because most of our competition is really in other markets altogether. So I think that we have a unique product being on the Eastern Seaboard. So mind me asking, you've had a lot of experience. Based on what I've read, you've done hundreds of renovations at this point. Why Baltimore? Quite simply, we're born here and live here. So it's our backyard. (laughs) But beyond that, our market, we just got lucky. We stumbled into the fact that the the rents are pretty high especially compared to the sale prices that are out there. When we first started acquiring rental properties, we weren't selling them at all. We were just building our own portfolio. And again, stumbled into it by mistake. We had a flip that wasn't selling. We called our local bank and we said, hey, if we want to make this a rental, what would that look like? So it gave us great terms. We were able to do a cash out refi on it and cash flowed very well. And we we're like, wait a second, this could actually work. Let's proceed. So we went from one to 300 units in about three year, a three-year period, three and a half years. And then, of course, along the way, we had to build out our property management team, too. So we've had a lot of success with it in here in our own market, and that's why we decided to start offering that to other investors. Can you talk a little bit about how you find these properties? Do you buy them direct from the seller, or are you getting them off the MLS? How does that look? Pretty much everything you can imagine. We cast a pretty wide net to buy a large volume. We go under contract on over 200 homes a year. Naturally, there's some fallout. So we have direct-to-seller marketing, pretty traditional channels, SEO, pay-per-click, direct mail. And then we also, we work with a ton of realtors and wholesalers to purchase properties through them. And then we attend auctions and things like that too. So it's a pretty busy circuit, but some months one thing works and then other months another channels working better, just ebbs and flows. So you mentioned that the rent to purchase price is actually pretty good, even though the rents are quite high in that market. Is the concept of that the properties are just too expensive in that type of market and you can't get the hit the 1% rule, for example. Do you find that's just a myth that you need to bust? What Maybe give us an example of the purchase price and rents. Sure. So I do think that the 1% rule has been by the wayside for quite a while now, but we are pretty darn close. I sent on a property today that our price is 200000 and it rents for $1,800. Wow. 
So it's really not that far from the 1% rule. And I would suspect within a couple of years, two, two to five years, who knows exactly how the world and market are going to play out, but it probably reaches that $2,000 rent and then you're at the 1%. I, our market is, again, it's unique in terms of coastal cities. It's probably the most inexpensive. We've heard people call it the last frontier on the East Coast being like the last affordable market on the East Coast. And I think that's why we've seen so much interest from people from all over the country, locals to California and everywhere in between for our turnkey product. But then also we interestingly have a lot of out of town competitors coming to buy homes as is. So there was an article recently published in the Baltimore Sun that highlighted a, a guy from New York who's come down and bought like a hundred some properties as is not turnkey product, but as is to renovate and turn into rentals. And his point was he lives in New York, which has asinine pricing. And he said, Philadelphia was this affordable years ago, but that's long gone. And he's Baltimore is the next stop. And it's going to just go up because there's not many other options for people to get that are affordable. You mentioned that example of buying that property for 200,000. What do you get for 200,000 in Baltimore? Sure. So our product is a I call it our bread and butter. It's a brick townhome, which is great because it's a rock solid structure. And when we buy it, they are old, probably dilapidated, typically vacant, pretty beat up. So we do a full gut renovation to it. We tear it down to the studs, put in all new electric, plumbing, HVAC, insulation, drywall, floors, kitchen, bath, roof, windows, et cetera, so that it is as close to brand new as physically possible. That's what we learned building out our own rental portfolio, that was our way to get the most stable product, least amount of maintenance. And oh, by the way, then it's very appealing to potential residents. So that that's what 200,000 gets you, a fully renovated top to bottom house with a tenant that we're going to place and manage the property on your behalf. Do you typically look for the investors then to flip the bill or provide the financing for the renovation itself? Or do you, is when you, they come to you, it's a completely finished product? That's correct. Yeah. They're doing a one-time transaction from us once the property is fully completed. So we, we cover all the costs up front and it's just a one-time easy transaction. Most people use conventional financing, although other people prefer to use cash. And we also have a couple of commercial lenders that we work with for people that are out of conventional slots or just don't qualify for conventional financing. Maybe they don't show a lot of income, even though they have assets and great credit. So we have lenders for that too. Yeah. I was going to ask you if an investor comes to you looking for a turnkey property such as this, what type of other services do you provide, especially when it comes to the financing side of things? But it, it sounds like you have some pretty strong relationships there. We do. We've definitely been able to find some really great people and teams in this space. And I think that's part of why it's been successful because ultimately around the horn, our investors and what people want in the world is good service. So I feel fortunate we have found that we don't have an in-house lending team. We just have our preferred partners that to be completely transparent, we do not get a single dollar from them. All we want is good service. We refer people to them. We just want to be taken care of and make sure that's going to go smoothly. So very fortunate that they do that. And like you said, I think relationships is a great word. This business we live in is very relationship-based. We have people trusting us to care for their substantial investments and make sure that it goes well. So it's a big relationship. It's a big step. 
So we do take it very seriously on that front. You are obviously building a strong team and relationships there to produce the amount of volume you are. Like what was the process there to find the right people? And you mean in terms of our internal team? Internal team and those exterior teams. Let's start with your internal. To be very transparent, I think it's almost the same answer for both. There's a little bit of trial and error. You find people that maybe we speak the same language, but then they don't have integrity or they don't back up do what they say they're going to do. And that's just not how we operate. We're really, integrity is one of our core values plastered on the walls here. It's just very important. We say we're going to do ABC. We're going we're gonna to follow through. We have to. And if for some reason we can't or we fail to do, we then have to make it right. So I think that's been huge in building out our internal team, but then also those external relationships. And ultimately, if you lack integrity or you're not committed to the cause or whatever the case may be, probably not going to make it on our team. A lot of people that are getting into real estate investing, turnkey is always an option that they consider. When they are selecting a turnkey provider, what are some of the questions they should be asking of that provider before they establish that relationship? Sure. I think there's three probably big bullet points to to dive into, and you could spend a lot of time talking about each one. But I'll start with probably the most important is the property management itself. Who is it? How do they do it? What are the fees? What is their methodology for screening and tenant placement? What is their process for collection? How does all that work? How big is the team? How much experience do they have? How many units do they manage? That's going to give you a really good indicator of what that looks like. And for us, that's in, again, internal property management. We don't use a third party. It's over a 10-person team at this point. We have been managing rentals for over seven years in Baltimore, and we have over 430 properties under management today. So we do bring, I feel, a good amount of experience there. Second important thing is the product itself. What is it new construction? Is it partially renovated? Is it fully renovated? What are the details of the renovation? I hear a lot of stories of people that think they're buying a turnkey product and then all of a sudden two years down the road they're paying five grand for a new roof and then the year after that they're putting a new HVAC and it's just destroying their returns so I think that's really important and then third is understanding location making sure that again your turnkey provider is they better be familiar with the neighborhood in the area one of the things that I'll point out to people when I'm discussing properties is yeah, I, uh, on this particular street, I actually own the house three doors down. I invested there. I have experience there. I know that this market performs because I have my own product there. So just understanding the location and what the numbers are and that it makes sense for the investor's goals. Okay. Again, just a reminder, everyone, head over to CRO, crofmaryland.com. I'll make sure to have that link in the show notes. But Alexander, how many people do you find travel to you, meet you in person and walk some of your projects just to vet you out a little bit? Yeah, honestly, not as many as I'd like. (laughs) We really only have probably one visitor a month, but that's fine because the reality is now it's so easy to do everything over the internet, over the phone. So we'll provide professional photos of each property. That itself is a great way for people to take a closer look. In addition to that, they're going to be reviewing a full home inspection report, 
And then most people, of course, get an appraisal through their lender. So people are getting a pretty darn good look at this property from multiple angles and multiple pictures and multiple reports. But I'm always happy to take people out if they're able to come to town and we can go on a tour and see properties in various stages. It's fun to show that because people don't always understand just how much work we're doing. So when you see the before, during, and after, it can be pretty eye-opening. How big is your team right now? We're about 28 people company-wide. Okay. And I'd imagine that keeping all of these renovations going at once is a fairly challenging concept. What strategies are you using to keep everything on task and on, on schedule? Sure. It definitely starts again with the people in our team. Beyond that, we use, we've basically created a job flow through a software called Asana. It's a task management software, but we've built out these templates where you can track the progress of each individual job and see things at an oversight or dive into like very specific details. And then also is effectively a database so that we can keep track of everything from the utilities to the paint color to the applied serial numbers. Everything lives in that project. So technology has been key. Many years ago, we used Microsoft Word for this kind of thing. And I'm sure you can imagine that was not very user-friendly and not a great way to keep things organized. We've evolved a lot on that front. And so people, process, and technology are key. And also holding a certain standard. We we don't negotiate on quality of our work. Finished work has to be high quality, no questions asked. So when you start with that and then you work your way through it, we, we've been able to capitalize on that and do, I think, a pretty good job. Yeah, we use Asana as well. And it's been a game changer when we, yeah. we've even invited, we invite our, some of our contractors to specific projects and that's how we yep. communicate. And I was actually surprised how well they've adapted to it. Yeah, it's so user-friendly. It's a great software. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. You talked about doing the property management yourself or your team does that. How do you ensure that your property management side of your business stays aligned, your interests stay aligned with the actual investor? That's a great question. I think it's done in a few different ways. Part of it is done through, we have two team members that it's actually their job to be the owner. We call them concierge. So basically in constant communication with our owners, both proactively and or when people reach out to us, number one, being responsive is just key. We hear a lot of stories of people that work with a property manager that is unreachable by phone and you get an email here and there and that's it. So we really taken the steps to make sure that we're not known for that and we don't have that issue. I think that's first and foremost how we combat that. So I'll call that communication. And then aside from that, at the end of the day, we operate off of metrics. So we want at least 98% occupancy. We want at least 98% rent collections. We don't want a property to be on the market longer than two weeks. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that we land the right tenant on it. And then the screening process is crucial. It's actually probably the most important part of what we do because at the end of the day, if you place a good resident, the property is going to probably perform pretty well. Place that nightmare resident, you're in for a world of hurt. And again, when things go wrong, then it's how do you respond to it to correct it and make it right. We have pretty good processes in place for that at this point too. Okay. Can you talk a little bit or give us an example of one of your, one of your investors 
like they came to you for the first time, maybe they haven't, they didn't own a piece of real estate up until this point. And then where they are today, let's talk, give us some examples of what you and your team are doing there. Yeah, we have a pretty wide variety of age ranges that have invested with us. The youngest was actually 19. He was really ahead of the the curve. Yeah. Um, And I have other clients that are actually retired and have just said, you know what? I don't want to have my money just in the market. I want to invest in real estate. I want to have something to pass on to my kids. And then pretty much everyone in between. So what I love is definitely people who haven't invested before. Of course, I appreciate when somebody calls me and they have 10 properties already and they're ready to add two more. That's very cool. But getting with people and helping them to start that investment journey and add and creating their rental portfolio, that's really exciting because it's life-changing. It's been life-changing for me, life-changing for a lot of people that I work with and know. And I think it's key. There's definitely not one typical investor. That being said, you will, of course, need probably... $40,000 40 plus thousand dollars in liquidity to be able to purchase a property with conventional financing. Other than that, you don't have to be an expert. You just have to be able to understand what we're talking about in those three points I referenced earlier. Some of the projects you were talking about sound like some pretty significant renovations. I would hope that some of those neighborhoods are loving you when you go in there and fix some of these places up. Can you talk a little bit about some of the reception to in the neighborhoods in the city? Yeah, it's, I'd like to use the 90-10 rule. 90% of people respond really well. They're like, it's great. The house looks so much better. Think, actually come out and thank our project managers. And that's the favorite part. There's always that one out of 10 that is just grumpy. Why did you make so much noise or whatever? But I've been here hearing and dealing with that for many years. It's not a large population of people. And that has happened. I've gotten those calls from... I'll say our most entry price point up to when we've done houses that are seven or $800,000 in our market, which is a much higher price point. So we've seen that cross the board, but for the most part, people are really appreciative, which is what it's all about. We want to be a part of improving the community. We care a lot about it because we live here. We're from here. Well, obviously we're invested here. So that's what it's all about. If we can make a difference, if we can make that block one house better, one house at a time, so to speak. That's what is fueling to me and a lot, to a lot of our team members. It sounds like you're doing a lot of the updates and repairs to the things that are those big ticket items that are going to tip be problems in the near future. What are some of the things that you tell your investors to plan for, though, down the road so that they can set aside the necessary money to take care of some other things? Sure. The great thing is, having all those systems brand new, they do have years that we don't expect any kind of major expenditure. That being said, I tell everybody, always want to have reserves. You never know what's going to go wrong, whether it's somebody doesn't pay rent for two months or whether, I don't know, a furnace blows up and you have to spend $2,500 to replace the furnace. Doesn't happen often at all because they're brand new and they're under warranty, but things happen turnovers happen. There are just things along the way where everyone's probably going to have to put up some money out of pocket. So you should have reserves for that. If I was being very conservative, I would say take two months of rent, put that aside. There's your reserve account for that property. And if you have five properties, do it on every single one. It's better safe than sorry. And then it seems like every 
part of the country is different. What do you typically find in Baltimore that is the landlord's responsibility versus the resident? The only, not much. So snow removal, lawn care, that's all on the resident. We have trash removals actually done by the jurisdiction. So there's no extra fee or service there. The only thing in our market that has to stay in the owner's name is actually the water bill. It's tied to the property, not an individual. So the water bill comes to our owners, but then we bill it to the tenant. And that's the way it is throughout Baltimore. So in our market, that's totally normal. Other than that, it's pretty hands-off and our team's going to handle everything else. So we'll take care of making sure we have the right registrations and certificates. Again, we'll handle everything with the resident and... If they get a code violation or something, we'll handle that, charge it back to the resident. So it's very hands-off for our investor. Do you ever find any of those code violations is maybe a precursor to something more serious? It gives you a heads up? Not often. What we see often is, and we've heard this from code enforcement too, let's say there's a nuisance house and people are complaining about the nuisance house. Code enforcement will roll through the whole neighborhood and they'll just cite everybody that has something wrong. Oh, you don't have a lid on your trash can? Citation. You didn't cut the grass for a couple of weeks? Citation. They're not very expensive and it's, it's a little frustrating, but it's not very often that that's like a drastic sign of something being wrong. Most of our residents have children and are working full time and are just busy. Sometimes those things happen. So you have enforcers that uh, this is a pretty regular thing in this market. Would you say the market is landlord friendly or resident friendly? Maryland has been known to be very balanced on that respect. So I like to compare it up to Texas and New York. I think Texas is very aggressive on the landlord's behalf, which again, is great for Texas. I know that New York is terrible to deal with as the landlord. We're right in the middle. The courts are pretty darn fair. It takes us maybe two to three months for an eviction. The paperwork is easy. We have an automated way of doing it all. So for us, there's not really any challenge to it. And again, when I hear how some other states are, I'll pick on California. I think we're in pretty good spot. How long does your residents typically stay in the apartment or the building? Yeah. Our average length of stay now is over three years. And again, that's an average, that's which includes yeah. new residents too. So we do have people that stay a long time, which is great. Okay. This has been a great conversation, Alexander. Is there any other questions associated with especially for people that would be looking into turnkey for the first time. It's like a question that we don't know what we don't know. What questions should we be asking when it comes to this? That's a great question. And I think part of it is you have to just connect with potential phone partner. We really we're, we're partnering, so to speak, and have them walk you through their process and understand what they do, how they do it, and what the results can and should be. That would be part one. I think the other thing, again, I referenced this earlier, so I hate to repeat it, but really understanding the property management side of it. That is what's going to make or break a rental property every time. It's really the most important aspect of arguably of what we do. So I, I think that diving into the property management, review the agreement, read through page by page and ask questions around what does this mean or why is this being charged here or how does this work? Alexander, I'll give you some rapid fire questions if you're ready for it. But before we get into that, again, it's crofmaryland.com and you can check in on Alexander and his team. And you can shoot him an email at mdturnkey 
at crofmaryland.com. And I'll make sure to have that email link in the show notes as well, where you can communicate directly with them. But this has been great, Alexander. But before we finish things out here, you need to bust a real estate investing myth for me. We've all seen those late night programs. Real estate investing is a get rich quick scheme. What is a myth you'd like to bust here today? It's not a get rich quick scheme. That's for sure. Cause I don't know anybody that got, I personally don't know anybody that got rich quick off real estate. It's, it takes time. It takes persistence. I tell people when they first get into real estate, they're probably going to want to quit probably more than once. It's hard to get established and going. It's hard to acquire those first two rental properties. But once you're over that hump, it starts to get easier. And I would never say it's easy because it's a hyper competitive world. But you get some momentum, you get more experience, you build, you start to have those relationships. And all of a sudden that business can now grow again, whether you're building your own portfolio or starting a company. So that's my thought on that. What book would you recommend or what are you reading now? I really love Relentless by Tim Grover. He's trained and worked with a ton of athletes. He started with Michael Jordan and was a key part of his success. But what stands out to me is just the really the mindset in it and in that champion warrior mindset. And one line that sometimes I have to remind myself to to use is don't think. It sounds counterintuitive, right? Because we need to think and process and analyze what we're going to do. But on the other hand, we have a tendency to overthink. And when you start overthinking and start to think, if this happens and that happens, you're going all the way down a rabbit hole that you just don't need to do. So you need to keep that mindset strong in whatever you're doing. And don't think is my way of remembering that stands out in the book. What is the biggest real estate investing mistake you've made and what did you learn from it? Oh, good question. I would say we, I bought a house that ended up being a teardown and I thought we could rebuild into a big, nice house. And it was a complete disaster. We're not new construction builders, so we don't have those relationships. We don't have that know-how, and we were trying to bite off way more than we could chew. So we ended up bailing on the project. We lost a bunch of money, and it was a very painful experience. So what we really learned is to stay in our lane. If you know what you're doing and it's working, don't get distracted by some crazy idea that, oh, let's go build a eight-unit whatever. If you don't know how to do it and or if you don't have the relationship with somebody who can show you how to do it, you might be up the creek pretty quickly. That that happened to us on that deal. I have to ask you one question that's just a little bit of fun. What's your favorite movie? Oh, that's a really good question. Oh, wow. I wasn't prepared for that one. Let's see. Okay, really <laughs> quick. Jeez. I have to say a really dumb one. Step Brothers. I think it's hilarious. Hey, got to have the comedy. That's right. If you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that be? Let's see. I think that some of the lessons I learned along the way, like especially about relationships and people, I, in hindsight, wish I knew those sooner. I'm very blessed that I stumbled into real estate at age 21, and now I've been here for over 12 years. A lot of people, I think, or you know, when I talked to when I first come to business said, oh, I wish I got in when I was your age. Oh, I wish I got in when I was younger. So that's not so much a lesson for me, but I like to share that with people because I think there's no wrong time to start. Best time was yesterday. Best time is today. Got to hop in. 
And is there a question or concept you wish we would have covered here today? Honestly, no. I think that was a really well done and well encompassing interview podcast. I think I'm good. I think that was great. I appreciate your time, Alexander. Again, one last time, crofmaryland.com. Check out the show notes. Head over to reimastermind.net for that. And I hope you'll come back again sometime, Alexander. That'd be great, Jack. Thanks for having me. If you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing, if so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.